0: Welcome back to the Loyal Sons podcast presented by Capel Faithful. That's at Capel Faithful on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Loyal Sons, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Today is Thursday, October 14th, and your Pitt Panthers are still 4-1, and but we didn't lose this weekend, which is pretty sweet. We had a nice, uh, relaxing weekend. Uh, we're able to enjoy one of the craziest college football Saturdays, I think, in recent memory. Uh, what is your guys' takeaway
1: from this weekend of college football? Was it that crazy of a weekend of college football, or were we just finally able to watch some games that weren't Pitt games? I think I mean, this year, maybe.
2: I think this past week was especially good. And I think that because I managed to lose almost all of my bets and still enjoy <laughs> the games that I was watching. Like, I was all over Texas. I bet on Penn State. And despite those bets losing, oh, yeah, and I was on Alabama. So, yeah, all those bets. I lost money on both of those games. I lost all those, lost a bunch of money, but I was still so excited about watching those games. They were so thrilling
1: to the end, I didn't even care. You are so much. Oh, absolutely. I made Alabama lose. I was on I was on Oklahoma. Red River rivalry. Red River rivalry. <laughs> I'm shocked that you took another attempt at those words together after last week. That was my attempt at redemption. Didn't work. But the Red River shootout, um, that was one of the best college football games I've watched in a very long time. I was on Oklahoma. I... Great, great end of the game cover with the uh, with the long touchdown run. And maybe the end of the Spencer Rattler era at Oklahoma?
2: Yeah, I'm surprised he's in the portal already. Yeah, I kind of hope so. Ever since
0: I saw a couple clips of him from QB1, I, I wanted nothing good to happen
1: to that man. I'm also in, all in on Caleb Williams to step in, in that game. As a true freshman, didn't play his senior year because of COVID. And then just steps in um, and lights it up against Texas. Nationally televised game, biggest game of the weekend. That was, that was sweet. So, yeah, I'm all in on him. Yeah, talk about uh,
0: stepping into a,
1: a tight spot. And, I don't know, maybe next year, do we see a Pit Panther QB, Spencer Rattler? He's not beating out Patty. No. You're right. little <laughs> too much no. competition here.
0: I don't. I don't think I want that personality in my locker room. I saw a lot of people tweeting about like, "Wow, this Oklahoma team just kind of feels different when not Spencer Rattler's leading them. Like they, it looks like they want their quarterback to succeed, which is hilarious to be able to like
2: watch a football game and pick up on that's how much of a prick Spencer Rattler is. I guess he just wasn't doing what everyone was expecting him to do. Everyone thought he was even the next Johnny Manziel, but he wasn't. Extending plays every time he'd try to scramble or step on the pocket. He would get hit and fumble or throw a bad pass So he wasn't bringing that it factor that people expected So I don't know there goes his Heisman odds pickets moving up all those draft boards as well That's, That's true. I think this is the last week. We'll see Rattler. had a picket on the mock drafts
0: one man's abject Trash is another man's
1: treasure. I guess hmm What uh, what other games do we watch? I got to watch some of Tennessee. They absolutely throttled South Carolina. They might be a better team than people anticipated. Um that win's looking better and better. I also watched I actually we actually turned off the Ole Miss Arkansas game like a few minutes before to I, I don't know why the game got taken off the TV, so I missed I missed that uh, almost game winner at the end. We only had one T V where we were at watching these games, but we were like
2: on the remote like crazy going back and forth between Ole Miss Arkansas and Texas, Oklahoma, because they were kind of winding down at the same time, so it was just non-stop action.
1: What about you, David? Uh, how, how did your viewing experience go?
2: Yeah,
0: uh, Sorgal's Orchard didn't have any TVs. Uh, that might be a surprise to you. Um, so you weren't streaming on your phone from the pumpkin patch? For a second, I got yelled at, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I I didn't get to see Kennedy Brooks, you know, rip off the game winner. Um I was, you know, in line for fried Oreos. Um the Arkansas failed two point conversion happened, I believe, while I was uh uh looking for the best pumpkin roll in the in the market. Uh but yeah, no great weekend. Uh really really
2: relaxing. Um someone else talk before I cry. Did you get back in time to watch the Iowa-Penn State game? All right, moving on. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well let's not move on from Penn State losing that quickly. Let's just cherish that for a second. Yeah. Feels good. Feels great.
1: All right,
0: on to the ACC. On to the ACC indeed. Uh, So a full slate of ACC football. Things
1: opened up in the coastal a little bit for Pitt this weekend, didn't it? Yeah. uh, You know, teams keep beating up on each other. um, And it's really setting up this week to be, you know, a game with huge coastal implications. But just about everyone has two losses except for us and Virginia Tech. Am I right on that? Correct. Emphasis on teams beating up on each other. Braxton
2: Burmeister barely came out of that Notre Dame game alive. It was kind of impressive that he stayed in and played as well as he did. It looks like he's going to play this week. But also, Miami lost Derrick King for the rest of the year. They lost their center for the rest of the year. They're dropping like flies. They do not look good. So, the Coastal up for grabs more than ever. Which is always when it's at its scariest.
0: Oh. It, makes me, it makes me a little bit worried for when Pitt starts getting into the thick of their ACC schedule. That's a lot of room for chaos in a, a conference that is prone to it.
2: Yeah, anything can happen on any given week. But the stat that scared me the most was whenever I saw a tweet that said if Pitt were to beat Virginia Tech this week, they would have a two-game lead in the Coastal over every team except Miami. And like I just said, Miami lost their the quarterback in center. So they're not a threat to win the Coastal. I think we can all agree on that as crazy as this conference is. So that makes this week even bigger than before. So...
1: Derek King, have we seen the last of him? Yeah, I don't know. Does he go and get an injury waiver? Does he try to go to the NFL next year? I don't know how, how much the NFL is really uh, looking forward to seeing him. So can he come back? I don't, I don't know. I don't
2: think so because he used a red shirt whenever he
1: like, opted out from Houston that one year. I think that covers. Is there any chance he can get a medical waiver? kind of like Peterson and Tipton have for a seventh year? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think the NFL is in need
0: of his services uh, at the moment, so I imagine the transfer portal might be explored. There was a tweet um, quoting Manny Diaz that said he opted to take a surgery, and he quote tweeted it uh, and, you know, said opted with a question mark, which indicates that he, you know, there's where there's smoke, there's fire there. He does not seem pleased with what his coach said. Uh, maybe Manny Diaz views it as, you know, him quitting on the team, and there, there's some... I don't know, if a player is willing to say something on Twitter in college football, that's, to me, indicative
2: of something. I saw that, too, and whenever he said opted for the surgery, made me think that Manny Diaz thought maybe he'd come back with a couple of weeks left in the season, but at that point... The season's already over because Miami's going to be well, like six and six this year or seven wins. What's the point? Why would Derek King quit on his team? This is probably his last hurrah. If he gets the surgery, his NFL dreams are over. So, I mean, Manny Diaz is just a weird little dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to start with Manny Diaz in any situation, especially this one. I think he's just in the wrong period.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what he cares. It's, it's not like he's going to be coaching the team next year and not Lane Kiffin or, you know,
1: someone else. I don't know, Miami job doesn't look too hot right now. That would be interesting. They will get a fairly big name, but I would be interested to see like how many candidates they have to go through, who would, how many people would tell them now that Miami is just too tough. Well Mario Cristobal is the guy who they would really want, he's a Miami
2: alum. But he's at Oregon and has a good thing going there, so I don't think that makes sense to leave Oregon
1: for Miami, especially now. I get alumni ties are strong, but you'd have to be out of your mind to leave Oregon for Miami right now. Yeah, Absolutely. Miami
2: has been on the decline ever since Pitt beat them in that upset a couple of years ago. So Pitt broke Miami. Uh-huh. So one, uh,
0: one game this week hit a little closer to home, uh, our upcoming opponent. Uh, Virginia Tech lost by a field goal to number 14 Notre Dame. Uh, John alluded to earlier that uh, Braxton Burmeister left the game uh, shaken up and with an injury to his right shoulder. It sounds like he'll play, um, but more importantly, we didn't get the result that we wanted, which is a emotional Virginia Tech win where they got beat up. Um, but we did get an emotional Virginia Tech loss where
1: they got beat up and that kind of feels lateral to me. Yeah, I think, I think part of wanting them to win last week was, you know, the potential of maybe Virginia Tech hopping into the rankings. Virginia looks a little bit better for the ACC, but, um, I don't know, that might be a deflating loss for them. It was, it was a game they very much had, had the ability to win. They were in it. They looked like they were going to win it and, uh, fooled it late. And then also, uh, Number four, Hollyfield, got got kicked out with the targeting call late, so he'll miss the first half next week. So that that's a nice little uh, nice little addition. So they got beat up, they lost the guy for a half, and they ultimately uh, lost the heartbreaker. So
2: I'm still not sold on Burmeister being out today. Justin Fuente said that everything looks good and we're anticipating him to play or some coach speak along those lines. But the Vegas line jumped from pit. It was about minus one, depending on where you look, a couple of days ago. And now it's up to, like, pit minus six. Yeah, that so that six. implied that Burmeister was
1: out or they were worried about him being out. Someone knows something. Vegas yeah. always knows better than us and better than what the coaches will let on. So
2: At the end of that game, Burmeister came back in and he was throwing the ball around the field. It wasn't like his arm was shot and he couldn't throw more than, like, five yards down the field. He took some deep throws, he was capable of making those throws. But after he ran that touchdown, he got shoved to the ground and landed on it and he looked like he got shot. He was clearly in pain and I thought, maybe this is like picket against Boston College last year. In the moment you can tough it up, you can play through the pain, but that next day it's too much and maybe it's worse, he did surgery or whatever. But I don't know, either way, He's beat up, and this bit defense should push him around even more. Make it hard on him. Maybe the line
0: moved because uh, the the good betters of America saw the offensive juggernaut of the nation uh, going up against a team that hasn't really looked all that impressive yet, especially from an offensive perspective. I mean, they've only broken 30 against uh, Middle Tennessee State University, so this isn't exactly the high-octane offense out of Virginia Tech that might give the Pitt team that we are watching this year issues.
1: Without Burmeister, that makes them even less dynamic on offense. Um, Hopefully the the defense for Pitt can come in and just kind of lock things down, but that just kind of scares me a little bit. You know, third-string quarterback comes out of nowhere, throws the ball all around on on Pitt. What could be more Pitt than that? I know.
2: I saw a lot of people saying that today and I was like, ah, come on. It's, we just saw some bad backup quarterbacks play. We saw that uh, Taekwon Robertson for Penn State play, and he just looked horrible. I thought maybe. Absolute Virginia, pile. <laughs> he looked like a high schooler out there playing against like the Pittsburgh Steelers. He could not complete a pass. And I thought maybe Virginia Tech will have someone prepared third string quarterback because their backup looks like he blew out his knee in that game as well. So they'd be down to their third string quarterback. So either way, Muster didn't blow anyone away that last game either. I think it was like 15 for 30 with 200 yards. He hasn't blown anyone away this season. He scares me because he can run a little bit and he so can make he throws. Rush. Yeah. So I'm not gonna take him lightly by any means, but a banged up Burmeister makes this game even more
1: winnable on paper. And for our next segment, We're going to do a little Christmas in October. That's right, we're going to give you our wish list for this Pitt football season. Better than any holiday season. Seeing all the FPI and S&P rankings, ranking Pitt so high, giving us this hope that maybe Pitt can make the playoff. With things looking so hopeful and so cheery, we decided to give you our list of 10 things that we would like to see for this Pitt football season. David, why don't you get us started?
0: Well, you know, uh, obviously, my my Christmas list for Pitt couldn't, you know, be capped. There's so many things you know we we hope for, but I'm not I'm not being a greedy little boy this Christmas. Uh, so we we you know clamped it down a little bit and we we chose ten, um, and we we didn't want to go for the obvious ones. Like if Pitt won the national championship, I would probably drown myself in the Allegheny out of joy. Like you know. Everybody wants Kenny to win the Heisman or us to win the ACC. So we, we decided to get a little bit specific. Um, the, the first thing, however, on our Christmas list is uh, beat Virginia Tech. Please win. Please, please win.
1: Just win. That's all we want.
2: It's the biggest one because it's the next one.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going real football guy on you this week and telling you that the only thing we care about is the opponent in front of us. But uh, before we can get, you know, wonderful and hopeful and, and really get into the Christmas season, I think we just need to take care of business in Blacksburg.
1: Justin Fuente gets cold. John, what about you?
2: Number two, like David said, we're not being greedy. We are going to say we want Pickett in New York City for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Would I love to see him win it? Yes. Is that a possibility? Yes. But I just want to see him there. I know a lot of this comes down to being the best quarterback on the best team or all that team success. That might hold picket back a little bit, but seeing him there on national TV, just being profiled like we always knew we should would make my year. That would be massive for the Pitt football program
0: to have a guy in New York for the ceremony. That'd be that'd be huge for recruiting for national reputation,
2: poaching someone for
1: the starting quarterback job next yeah. year. Is that what you're gonna say?
0: Yeah, don't... I don't know. We don't talk about Nick Patty's
1: job like that. Don't be... count out Nick just yet. I'm saying after the Patty years. I hear you. Maybe we do go and grab a guy after that, and that's a hell of a way to attract the kid to come here. Pick quarterback comes out, puts out crazy numbers, falls in, in the footsteps of Kenny Pickett. What more can you ask for? Five stars incoming, I can see it. Number three, once again, we're not wishing for much. We're not asking for a lot, but we got one vote in the AP pool last week. I'm not mad about it, not mad at all. Not bitter against the local writer who didn't put Pitt in, but we just want to be ranked at literally any point of this season. And I, I think winning this next game we should, but please, I just want to be ranked. Have a have a number next to our name when it goes across all, the ticker. All
0: I want to see is that little tiny number icon in front of Pitt's name. That's all I've been praying for.
2: We said we weren't going to be greedy, but I might get a little greedy here. I'd love to be ranked for more than just one week. I think in the past it's like, hey, we're number 23. Oh, uh, we lost. Let's um, hang around in there for a while. Why not get comfortable in the top 25? Celebrating a win as a
0: ranked team I imagine feels much different yeah because
1: then you can see how much you jumped up in the rankings the next week can you imagine
0: us all huddled around our computers at 3 p.m. on Sunday waiting for Pitt to
2: go from 24 to 21 and then I would lose my mind about whoever's 20th and 19th and 18th yes I cannot wait for that <laughs> oh Whoever those teams are, they couldn't hold pitch, Jock. Absolutely not.
0: (laughs) Number four, sell out a home game. Again, I think we're being as reasonable as possible, and I think that we have a sincere opportunity to do this uh, against Clemson in that primetime game, that 3.30 slot on either ABC or ESPN. It was announced uh, on Monday. Um, I want to see a packed Heinz field. Get, get people feeling good about the program, having fun at games, wanting to come back and see
2: this team again. Yeah, the opening home schedule this year was pretty weak. We had UMass. No one's getting out of bed to watch UMass at noon. Except us. Except us. <laughs> at 7 a.m. Then Western Michigan came to town. Not Max. talking about that. Blutter and then New Campbell. Hampshire. Yeah, why would anybody go that game? There are many reasons to not go to that game. But the next one is one of the biggest ones to come to
1: Heinz Field in a long time. So, I'm hoping the, just the brand recognition, the name brand of Clemson, even though they're down this year, can bring a good good amount of fans. I'm hoping that they bring some fans up. Not too much orange, though. Not too much orange, but, you know, only time they'll play in Pittsburgh for the foreseeable future. Um, so hopefully that gets some fans up here. And I've already talked to a few people, um, you know, friends, and, you know, family members who aren't, who are more casual Pitt fans, or maybe mm-hmm. not even Pitt fans at all, who said, you know, they're looking forward to coming down, they want to go to the Clemson game, because they want to see, you know, big time matchup. This is the kind
0: of shit that brings the, uh, the layman out, you know, the people who aren't deep in the world of Pitt football, that you go home and you're, you're talking to your roommates or your spouse or, you know, your family, and you say like, yeah, Clemson's coming into town and Pitt's actually supposed to like play with them, that, that, that intrigues people who would not
1: otherwise come to pit games yeah big game will either be on abc or espn 330 great time great time to come down to tailgate for a few hours get into the game and still have still have a night after so hope to see them fill up for that one
2: but one week at a time virginia, Tech's please the on our beat list. virginia tech please just please dear god beat virginia tech Next on our list is something we want for a number of reasons and that is a defensive player on the first team All-ACC list. Right now it doesn't look like it. David Hale and a couple of the guys have done like midway point predictions and we didn't have any on the first team. Kind of surprising given our track record of incredible our defensive, defensive pred- pedigree. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's very possible we have a couple guys on the cusp and if they take a leap over the next couple of weeks they could get in that conversation.
0: I agree, and I think that'd be really indicative of, you know, if some guys were able to get more attention in the back half of the year. uh, I think that'd be really indicative of our defense taking a step forward collectively. Um, They haven't been terrible thus far, but there's obviously been some points that have been worrying. uh, And it, you know, if you ask me, Kalijah Kansi and Servasie Dennis are two guys who should appear on a list like this. And, you know, the fact that they haven't, uh, you know, thus far entered those kind of conversations to me says something not phenomenal about Pitt's defense,
1: and I'd like to see that turned around. I think Habba Baldonado is a guy who could potentially crack that. Um, he looks really good as a pass rusher right mm-hmm. now. Um, has a chance to maybe put up, you know, double-digit sack numbers, and that's that's something that will maybe give you a, get you a look on that first-team All-ACC list.
2: Yeah, those guys you mentioned should definitely be close to that, and I think the Mario Mathis is another sleeper. He already has a pick six. Hopefully, he can step up on the stretches when he plays some teams that like to throw the ball a lot. Don't sleep on
0: John Patrician. That old
1: man has uh, showed out this year. He sure has. The uh, not many guys. I'd be interested to see the list across the country of seventh year guys, and if any have been uh, more productive than he has. Number six some more postseason award talk we want to see Jordan Addison be a Blitnikoff finalist let him be in that conversation for a top three receiver in the country um and he's well on his way if you ask me he's been obviously we talked about earlier haven't got to watch a ton of other college football games this year because all of our energy goes to Pitt but Addison statistically and just overall performance level has to be in that conversation as the top guy he's at a
2: crazy pace he's getting a lot of touchdowns and will it slow down i hope not but i don't see why it wouldn't this offense is clicking teams can't cover
0: him he's been giving everybody we've played this year fits number seven
1: let's get a Pickett shotgun celebration on national tv oh i'd love it that it went viral the first time around but with Picketts. Growing popularity. Shooting up draft boards, shooting up Heisman watch lists. Uh, I, I can just see it now. Throwing a throwing a touchdown against Virginia Tech this week. Walks right over to Lucas Kroll. Shotgun celebration. Spike the beer in the end zone.
2: Yeah, I don't think Pickett has done it since Jimmy Morrissey has left. I know that's been his partner in crime. But bring it back with Kroll. No better candidate. Imagine the buzz. That would damn near be a Heisman moment. Just think about like all the barstool accounts and all
1: those accounts that that would get so many likes so many shares. How great would it be if Pickett's Heisman moment was just (laughs) shotgunning a beer as a celebration?
2: Not only is this guy good he is so cool
1: (laughs) Desmond Howard's was
0: like a 90 yard punt return touchdown against his biggest rival but Kenny Pickett's is drinking a fake beer against Virginia Tech I'll take it.
1: Clemson, Virginia Tech, maybe UNC Thursday night nationally televised game mm. maybe we just get a few like honestly maybe you should just start doing it after every touchdown
0: yeah I want I want Pitt to increase their Twitter impressions as long as Owen Drexel doesn't get in it because he doesn't deserve it uh, but I love it I, I know a couple of our friends bought that Friday beers t-shirt
1: I bought two of them a black <laughs> one and a white one long sleeve and short sleeve. side note who do you guys think on the pit football team can drink the most beer? I'm leaning Kroll. That's kind of why I picked him.
0: I don't know if I can
2: realistically combat that. I mean, he's massive. I feel like if we wanted to, Devin Daniels, you could throw him back. He looks like a big country boy who would sit around a fire and crush a case without like, batting an eye.
0: Now, if we're talking talking about knocking down a couple bottles of wine. I'll take auto. <laughs> getting our
1: doozy, just knock knock down some wine, swirling
0: <laughs> swirling around a nice red
2: blend. On to the next. This one after this past week is looking a little bit more promising. Finish higher than Penn State. We did it last year, but COVID year, or whatever, blah blah blah. People don't think it counts. It counts. We're gonna finish out of Penn State again after they just lost to Iowa and they potentially lost Sean Clifford for a couple of weeks. Very possible. Let's do it.
1: I don't know how long Clifford will be out, if this will be an extended issue, but if they're shotting out Quan Roberson, they're in trouble.
2: And the teeth of their schedule is coming up. Michigan State, Ohio State, I think they play Michigan as well. It ain't easy. No that could be quarterback. That could be three losses
1: off the cuff. Yeah. Without Clifford they're in trouble, so not that he's been a world beater this year. Right. But the rest of the team is good enough, and he's competent enough. Whereas, I mean, they couldn't do anything once he went out of the game last week. Number nine, Lucas Kroll. Former Division I SEC pitcher, played baseball. We want to see him use that rocket launcher of an arm and throw a touchdown pass on a trick play. And we want it to go to Pickett. We want Kenny Pickett to catch his second career receiving touchdown, and we want it to be coming from Lucas Kroll.
2: If you're listening to this Mark Whipple,
1: draw
0: it up. I'd love nothing more than f- them to run a throwback and crawl to just launch that baby 70 yards.
2: <laughs> I imagine it like Friday Night Lights, the movie version, where Mike Winchell lays out at the goal line and makes an amazing catch, like Larry Fitzgerald-esque. That could be a real
1: Heisman moment for Pickett. What other quarterbacks are making diving touchdown catches he catches the touchdown and then him and Kroll run to midfield <laughs> and shotgun the beers there we go we just bought two of our presents at once there but I, I don't
0: know I'm a little bit worried to put uh, Pickett in the line of fire I'm not afraid of him getting hit he's tough uh, but look at Lucas Kroll you tell me that that frame can't break a couple of Pickett's fingers if he puts full velocity behind it that's why he wears the gloves
1: <laughs> he's always ready little Kenny Toe tap in the end zone. (laughs) And number 10. Please go
0: to a bowl game in a cool location. Do not make us go to Detroit. Do not make us go to Boise, Idaho.
1: Don't make us go to Annapolis again.
0: Or Birmingham. Give us somewhere tropical, somewhere metropolitan where we can eat good food and stand at a beach, and also be the national championship.
1: Yeah, Indianapolis. We'll, we'll take Indianapolis in January. Or, you know, the Peach Bowl in Atlanta doesn't sound half bad either. Orange Bowl in Miami, I'd
2: buy a ticket. Don't twist my arm go to that one.
0: <laughs> Please, Narduzzi Claus. We have been such good boys this year, and for the past 20 years of watching Pitt being a middling program,
1: and we don't want to go back to El Paso for the Sun Bowl and play against Oregon State. I saw that prediction today and I thought it was a sick joke. Bad memories, bad things happen in El Paso. Let's stay away from there.
0: ...formation, and that'll do it! Oh! 23! This week, we welcome on to the podcast, Mike McDaniels, writer for Sons of Saturday and podcast host for Basketball Conference, Hokie Hangover, the Sons of Saturday podcast, and Locks of Saturday. Mike, you will be representing the Virginia Tech Hokies this week uh, on our podcast. How are you feeling about that?
3: Depends on the week, boys. (laughs) It depends on the week. Well, we
0: feel that. So, uh... I'm assuming this week is is one of those rougher weeks. Uh, Last Saturday, Virginia Tech lost a nail-biter against uh, the Fighting Irish, and Pitt fans were hoping for a physically and emotionally brutal game, win or lose for Virginia Tech. Did we get what we wished?
3: You did, yeah. I mean, Braxton Burmeister, the starting quarterback, is pretty banged up pretty banged up now virginia tech's quarterback situation is uh we'll call it tentative like it's it's not it's not good right like tech had three four-star quarterbacks in the room last year they had braxton burmeister they had hendon hooker who's now tearing it up at tennessee and they had quincy patterson who's now tearing it up at north dakota state so you had two guys transfer out of the program you're left with burmeister who Throughout his career, like if you follow kind of his career arc, he started his career. He's a four-star quarterback from La Jolla, California. So he's from sunny San Diego, right? He goes to Oregon and he rides the bench at Oregon. He gets some limited playing time, but he was pretty banged up there. And then he transfers to Virginia Tech. And you're dealing with the same thing here, right? Now, he was sitting behind Hendon Hooker. Going into last year, there were folks who were saying that you know, Hooker was getting pushed by Burmeister in camp, but everybody caught COVID. So he was never able to actually fully win the starting job. But, you know, you saw the glimpses of Burmeister. He started the year for Virginia Tech a year ago um, because Hooker was out. Hooker came back uh, because Burmeister broke three of his toes on his foot because he had an offensive lineman step on him in practice. So, love to see that. But, uh, first, you're dealing with first you're dealing with COVID, then you're dealing with offensive linemen stepping on your foot in practice, just not ideal, right? And then he came back at the end of the year, and he was fully healthy. You know, recovered from COVID, recovered from the foot injury, and played pretty well. Now this year, it's been very up and down. His statistics aren't very good. Um, throwing the football, choose your own adventure. I mean, sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's really awful. But he's a really athletic kid. He's one of the fastest players on the team, which is you know, something for, you know, a, a white quarterback from La Jolla. I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, Virginia Tech's got four-star athletes they have recruited all over the field um, on offense and defense. But Burmeister is just – he's an electric runner. The issue is that if he gets hurt, as we saw this past Saturday against Notre Dame, if Burmeister gets hurt, Tech's in a lot of trouble. Um, they had Connor Blumrich, who is a backup quarterback from Texas A&M, who came into the game and – I mean, Blumrick was, wasn't even playing quarterback at A&M a, you know, a year ago. He was playing tight end and You know, because he didn't win the starting quarterback job because they had Kellen Mann there, of course. So he comes to Virginia Tech for an opportunity to play quarterback. He comes in the game, and he suffers a knee injury in the third quarter, so he's out for a significant period of time. So now Virginia Tech, all they got on their roster behind Burmeister is a low three-star quarterback who was originally committed to James Madison. His name's Knox Kadem, and then a true freshman – um, high three-star quarterback from New Jersey named Taj Bullock, but Bullock's been playing on the practice squad all year. So, like, he's nowhere nowhere close to being ready. So, Burmeister was popping pills on the sideline because he had dead arm against Notre Dame. So, there was a, a joke going around social media because he was popping pills on the sideline, and ACC Network caught it. They are calling him Braxton Perkmeister because everybody was making jokes he gave on Percocet, which is hysterical. So, He's not 100%. That's the long and short of it. And if he gets knocked out of the game, Virginia Tech's in a world of trouble, not only against Pitt, but
2: against pretty much anyone, anyone else really just kind of remaining on the schedule. It's not going to be good. Yes. So what you're saying is we should take a couple cheap shots at Burmeister early and it'll be well worth the 15-yard penalties. It would, it would be because Tech's got nobody behind him. So
3: what, um,
0: what is the word on the street as far as Burmeister's condition? Because Justin Fuente came out early in the week and said he'd be ready to roll against Pitt. Is that what you're hearing?
3: Yeah, so I was on that press conference on Monday uh, when Fuente said, yeah, he was good to go. The message boards were pretty wild over the weekend because, you know, a couple different message boards said Burmeister was out for, you know, four to six weeks. Meanwhile, uh, you know, Blumrich was going to be out for the year. Neither neither one of those ended up being true. Blumrich is out for a significant period of time, but uh, Braxton Burmeister is only going to end up being out for, what everybody thought was four to six weeks ends up being nothing, right? So he's going to be uh, be able to to come out and play on Saturday. To what extent he's going to be healthy is a whole other question, though. I'm I'm not really sure. I'm shocked. The
0: message boards were uh, were wide of the mark on that one.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's shock. Always, always a shock. If you were listening to the message boards, Justin Fuente was already fired, and Virginia Tech hired Tony Elliott last December. So, I mean, we're all over the map. We're all over the map on the message boards. Well, we're familiar. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So before we dive into this week's matchup a little bit more, we ask all of our guests what their honest thoughts are on the pit football program. So don't hold back. Be honest. We can handle it. What do you think of pit Football? I hate Pat Narduzzi, man.
3: Like I can't stand him. Now, I will say that I I will say that I do like Kenny Pickett. I like Kenny Pickett. I really enjoy watching him play, mostly because of that Miami game, like 15 years ago, you know, when he knocks Miami off the pedestal as a freshman, uh, that, that game feels like it was two decades ago, but um, I was a big Kenny Pickett fan and have been ever since that happened. I hate Miami too. So I I do appreciate that about Kenny Pickett. Uh, Been really impressed with him. What, what, you know, when I look at Pitt though, the one thing that you can always count on is at least in the last few years since Allison and Hall left, it's, you know, we have, 15,000 running backs but none of them can really run the ball so, so it's basically Kenny Pickett or, or bust it seems like and most years it's like a 50 50 proposition this year though Pickett is is the best quarterback in the ACC I mean he's been he's been phenomenal yeah
0: I bet you're really excited Quadrioleson isn't suiting up this Saturday after what he barely
3: yeah yes no I uh I am very happy he's not, he's not suiting up anymore. Virginia Tech has enough issues trying to stop the run. I, I'm glad I don't, you know, I don't have to watch Tech face Allison or Hall, for that matter.
0: So that kind of brings me to my next question. Are you guys good? Like, I'm asking genuinely. I cannot, like, looking at box scores, you know, you've played some tight games against good teams. You've played some tight games against bad teams. Are you good?
3: Depends on the week. <laughs> you know, it's kind of been the case for the last few years with with Justin Fuente and, and Virginia Tech, to be honest with you. It's been kind of like a very week to week thing. Um, I, I think Virginia Tech has the capability of being very good. I mean, if you look at the opener against North Carolina at Lane, you know, Virginia Tech's defense showed up. They made Sam Howell run for his life. You know, defense played really well Offense didn't enough to win the game. And then you look at the game like Richmond where it's like 21 to seven or whatever it was. And it's just like, man, this is, you gotta be beating an FCS team by more than 14 points. So it's very week to week. Uh, I will say this, Virginia tech is totally incapable of playing a complete four quarter game right now. They just haven't done. They didn't even do it in the North Carolina game to be honest with you. You know, Virginia tech played a really good offensive first half and then went to sleep in the second half offensively. But, the defense was really good and it it helped tech kind of pull through in that game. And then this past weekend against Notre Dame, it was probably the closest Virginia techs come to be quite honest with you to having a complete game like offensively and defensively, but you know, last four minutes the defense kind of went to sleep and Notre Dame scores a touchdown, a two point conversion forces a three and out, and then goes right up the field to kick a game winning field goal. So Virginia tech still has not, played a complete four-quarter game yet this year.
2: So we were able to watch a few Virginia Tech games this year. We saw the early game against UNC that you mentioned and caught the end of the Notre Dame game last week. As somebody who watches Virginia Tech religiously, who should you watch out for? Who should we be afraid of?
3: So it it's very – offensively, it's very dependent on the week. I will say that Virginia Tech's got some talent at receiver – Tech's best weapon was tight end James Mitchell, but, you know, he blew out his knee uh, against Richmond, so he's, he's out for the year. Yeah, so he's, <laughs> you don't have to face an all-ACC tight end, so you do have that going for you, right? Uh, offensively, it's, it's really Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson. Those are Tech's top two receivers. Virginia Tech's coaching staff likes to talk about how they have a lot of depth at receiver, but they really only play like three guys consistently. Um, so so Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson are the two receivers that uh, are definite, you know, big play threats at times. Virginia Tech's most versatile player um, on offense outside of Braxton Burmeister is Raheem Blackshear. He's listed as a running back. He lines up everywhere. He lines up in the slot. He lines up in the running back. He's a he's a kick returner. He does a little bit of everything. Uh, he was. Very good at Rutgers before transferring to Virginia Tech, which, as you boys know, is an accomplishment in and of itself to to be a standout player on Rutgers, a terrible football team. they have been a little bit better, so I don't want to totally you talking, shit on them.
0: Are you talking shit on Art Sitowski right
3: now? Yeah, yeah, Art Sitowski yeah. Yeah, the, the people's champ, Art Sitowski who's now who's now playing at Illinois, which tells you everything you need to know. Um,
2: <laughs> got, got a little love Big
3: Ten job. quarterback play. Uh, it's it's something. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, Raheem Blackshear is Virginia Tech's most versatile player. Uh, Tavion Robinson, probably Virginia Tech's best receiver. Trey Turner is the number one receiver, but Tavion Robinson has been a bit more consistent week over week. He plays out of the slot. Uh, Trey Turner is more of an outside guy. Defensively, uh, I mean, it's defensive back Jermaine Waller. He's an all-ACC player. He's been outstanding this year. He's tied for – the lead nationally I believe with four interceptions Uh, had a pick six against Notre Dame which I thought changed the game but apparently it didn't (laughs) Um, but he's been he's been really good Uh, he was an all-ATC player a couple years ago battled some injuries last year then he caught the entire team had COVID so he caught COVID he was battling a foot injury but he's been back he's been really good he's He's a uh, potential first or second round pick um, in the NFL draft. He is Virginia Tech's best player, in my opinion, um, on the defensive side of football. Maybe on the entire team, to be quite honest with you, he's been really, really good. Um, Virginia Tech's middle linebacker, Dax feel he's going to be missing the first half of this game. because he got yeah. called with, for targeting. It was kind of a, I mean, I, I hate targeting so much, but. Kind of garbage targeting call. But, uh, oh, yeah, we saw it and we were time. rooting for the targeting for a chance. I couldn't, be- <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe. It. I mean, in the stands, they showed the replay on the big screen. I literally couldn't believe how bad the call was. But um, you know, you're you're missing him in the middle of the defense. Which I, he's been up and down in his career because he played a little bit of outside linebacker, which was not his natural position. Kind of out of necessity because he was a good player and they needed him on the field. But now he's at middle linebacker and when he's in the game in the second half, um, that should make a difference. Even if he's not playing particularly well, it'll make a difference from like a communication standpoint for text defense. I think Justin Fuente is really worried about that going into this game, not having a signal caller in the middle of the defense for the entire first half. And it's the best quarterback they've faced all year. Cause I think Pickett's playing better than Sam Howell. Um, so yeah. So really it's Jermaine Waller on defense for sure. And then Amari Barno, I, I got to mention Amari Barno because he's, the most freakishly athletic player on the defense for Virginia Tech. He's only been playing defensive end for – last season was the first time he played defensive end. Um, He was an all-ACC player last year, and he was new to the position. This year, uh, he's not catching teams by surprise. So uh, teams have been – I know Pitt will be paying a lot of attention to him at, at strong side defensive end. Uh, but if you let him have a big day and let him rush Kenny Pickett, that's, that's going to be a problem. It's going to make life easier on, on Virginia Tech's defensive backs if you allow that to happen. So it's really Amari Barno, Jermaine Waller, and then whatever we get out of Dax Hollyfield in the second half on defense.
0: Okay. So those, those are the Hokies that we need to worry about, uh, you know, as, as Pit fans. But inversely, who or what about the Pitt Panthers scares you as a Virginia Tech fan Aside from Kenny Pickett, we will give him his shine in a minute. But what are you most worried about heading into Saturday?
3: I watched uh, the Georgia Tech game a couple weeks back, basically in its entirety. And Georgia Tech's decision to just not defend Addison is just, I can't believe that was a choice that Georgia Tech consciously made in the first half. Um, Not even the first half, the first quarter. Like,
0: on the real. Can can you turn lead into gold? You can't ask people to do impossible tasks. You can't ask Georgia Tech to cover Jordan Addison.
3: He's really good, man. I mean, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about that. Um, I I do like and, and I make fun of Pitts running game a lot, but I like uh a band of Am I pronouncing his name right? Did I get it right? Yes, you are. Yes. Cool, just making sure. Um I thought it was right. I just want to make sure. Uh, he's he's pretty athletic, man. Like I think he's I think he's decent. Now I I understand Pitt can't really run the ball, but I think he's he's a threat back there. Certainly, if he uh, he shakes loose, Virginia Tech's had so much trouble tackling running backs lately. It's that's definitely a concern of mine going to Saturday. Even though Pitt hasn't been very good running the ball.
2: So, yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> a can somebody who like to run the ball as well. He kind of is- yeah. Had to fight for his touches, but finally he's getting them, and rightfully so because the guys ahead of him were doing absolutely nothing.
3: You all got away from the uh, the law firm of Davis and Davis, right? I mean, you guys are pretty much, like, done with that experiment. <laughs> Halfway there. I don't know. I mean, I think Virginia Tech's – I mean, the biggest concern coming into this game is not being able to get a pass rush on Kenny Pickett because I, as good as Virginia Tech's secondary has been, like if you let a quarterback stand back there and you don't knock him off his spot, you know, Virginia tech secondary is capable of getting beat. Uh, just like any secondary would be. And I, I looked at the end of that Notre Dame game and Jack Cohn. So in the first half, you know, Jack Cohn started the game for Notre Dame. Virginia tech had a game plan, you know, get a pass rush on him, Right. And then they pulled Cone. They put in the freshman Tyler Buckner, who I think is going to be a pretty good player for Notre Dame in the future. But he made some freshman mistakes turned the football over a little bit. Brian Kelly then puts Jack Cone back in, in the fourth quarter. And it's almost like Virginia tech didn't readjust to the quarterback they were facing. Like they were perfectly fine with just, you know, playing, you know, man defense and, and just, you know, sitting back on a freshman quarterback, but against Jack Cone, they didn't readjust back to get a pass rush on his graduate student, you know? And, uh, he picked them apart on those last couple of drives. So that's my concern. I mean, Kenny Pickett is a, is a veteran quarterback. And, you know, Virginia Tech doesn't get a consistent pass rush on him. I, I think it's going to be a pretty long day for the Virginia Tech defense, which is a strength of the team. And the offense has been so up and down for Tech that, like, if they get down a few scores, man, I just don't – I don't see how Virginia Tech keeps this competitive for very long. Seriously. Um, the defense has to show up and play well, or else Tech's going to be in a world of trouble, I think.
2: I thought the same thing in that, uh, final stretch of the game. I thought of Jack Cohn can do this against Virginia Tech's defense. I feel pretty about Pickett's chance. Yeah. I was looking at my chops. Yeah.
3: If Virginia, if, if Kenny Pickett gets going early and Virginia Tech doesn't adjust, like that's something that is concerning. They so didn't adjust against Jack Cone when he was put back into the game in the fourth quarter. And, um, that's just, that's something, that's something I worry about for sure.
0: So then realistically, uh, what do you think Kenny Pickett's stat line could look like at the end of this game? <laughs> we actually, we asked all of our guests this, all, all two that we've ever had. Um, yeah. We want you to tell us how bad Kenny Pickett is going
2: to tear you apart. Before you answer that, I'd like to bring up the fact that uh, our friend Robert from Georgia Tech, his prediction for Pickett hit at about, uh, about halftime. So he was on the under, so. I <laughs> okay, so I... I think if you get, can I
3: give you two scenarios? Can I give you the the good Virginia Tech defense scenario and the the second half Jack Cohn defense scenario, right? By all means. So okay, so I think if if you get Virginia Tech's performance against Sam Howell, right, right. where they're rushing for four quarters, making him run for his life, I think Kenny Pickett still gets his yards, right, because that's the way that Pittsburgh moves football most consistently. So they're still gonna have to throw it. I think he throws for like worst case like 275 280 like two touchdowns two picks or something right now let's talk about if virginia tech plays like they did in the fourth quarter against jack Cohn. they don't get home to pick it you know they're unable to produce a consistent pass rush they get beat by you know we talked about jordan Addison, but Shockey, Jacques Louis or whoever i mean name name your receiver right somebody gets loose in the secondary against virginia tech I could see Pickett going for, like, you know, 450 with, like, four or five scores. I mean, we it sounds crazy, and I understand Virginia Tech's entire defense had COVID last year, right? But we just saw this happen last November. <laughs> like, it's not its not too far out of the wrong possibility. I mean, Pickett wasn't that good last year, and Tech made him look like a Heisman candidate. So, you know. I could see. It. I'm. I'm sorry. I can see it happening. That's the. That's the pessimist in me as a Hokies fan. Hokies a lot, you know. I like that second number a lot. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I'd rather not, but yeah. <laughs> I think it's realistic. I mean, seriously, I do think it's realistic that he could throw for like four bills and four or five touchdowns.
2: Okay, so we got your kind of picket prediction. Now, what is your actual game prediction for this year's matchup? In previous year just been a blowout. Either way, home team wins by a lot. you see that trend continuing?
3: It's interesting because if you look at it just throughout Justin Fuente's tenure at Virginia Tech, Narduzzi has never beaten Fuente at Lane Stadium. Now, he's been close. He's been close a few times. Um, I was at that 2019 game two years ago in the rain. Uh, so
2: were we, unfortunately.
3: Oh, well <laughs> – Yeah, I'm sorry that you made the trip for that because that was—I couldn't believe how poorly Pitt played. I mean, I was very surprised with how poorly Pitt played in that game. Um, Yeah, that was—I was very happy leaving the stadium, but I came away very surprised just from a neutral standpoint at at how poorly Pitt played. Um, I think that I think that Virginia Tech will play well at home because they have been playing well at home this year against better competition. I mean, Mill, Tennessee state and Richmond. It's like, how do you, how do you get up for Mill, Tennessee after playing UNC? How do you get up for Richmond after playing West Virginia? It's one of those deals. Um, I'm glad we all are in agreement that it's awesome to see West Virginia lose to Baylor by a thousand points and just struggle (laughs) to a big, big 12 play. Yeah. It's the greatest. Uh, I think, I think Pittsburgh wins because I don't, my whole thing is like, I don't think Braxton Burmeister is that healthy. Like I just don't. Now he was throwing at practice and you know, Fuente says he'll play or full go or whatever. I just don't, I don't see it happening guys from, from Virginia tech's offense and pick it and pick has been so hot and, I get you can look at, you know, some of the competitions, you know, Pitt has played and you look at like the Western Michigan game, you're like, how the hell did that happen? Like Pitt is perfectly capable, just like Virginia Tech. <laughs> Pitt is perfectly capable at a given moment laying an absolute egg, right? But going to Lane Stadium, you know, being able to um, – Pitt's coming off a of bye week, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pitt's coming off a bye week. Tech just had an emotional loss at home to Notre Dame. like, I think tech will come into this game motivated. I just don't think they're healthy enough to quarterback. And I, the offense has just been so inconsistent moving the football. I think Pittsburgh wins. I'm going to go. I think Pitt wins close though. I'm not sure they cover. I think it spreads up like five, five and a half, maybe more today. I'm not sure. But um, I think Pitt wins close, maybe like 27, 24 or something like that. Maybe that's too high scoring, but. I just have a hard time seeing Virginia Tech's defense keep Pittsburgh down for four quarters with the way the Kenny Thig has been playing.
0: While I don't like you uh, mushing us like that, you know, doing a verbal mush on Pitt, which is exactly what you're up to. I can see it. Um, I, I do appreciate you knowing that you are facing college football's offensive juggernaut. <laughs> but but what, what, I, what I did want to ask, and, and will, you, will you be in attendance at the game?
3: Actually, I actually won't be. I actually won't be. Um, thought about it. Thought about it. I will not be in attendance now.
0: Okay. Well, I think it sounds like fun. I've always, I didn't get to make the trip last time. I've always wanted to see Virginia Tech uh, come out to enter Sandman because I've yep. seen it's electric. So my question to you is how many times have you heard enter Sandman in your life?
3: A thousand? <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> It's really funny. It's really funny now because like anytime it pops up on a playlist or, you know, I'm at the gym, it pops up at the gym or whatever. It's just hysterical. It's just like the urge to, um, as an alum, to, to actually like stop what I'm doing and start jumping. is like there. It sounds ridiculous, but it's just one of those things.
0: So I'd be interested in making a little wager uh, to kind of alleviate your ears from having to hear it anymore. If Pitt wins, we get Enter Sandman and you have to take Sweet Caroline. How about
3: that? I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, so I'll take Sweet Caroline any day. But I got a better proposition, right? If Virginia Tech wins, you guys can have Enter Sammy, and we'll take Kenny Pickett
0: Over my dead f-ing body.
3: <laughs> you guys can have Perkmeister. It'll be fine.
2: <laughs> Don't even joke about that. Don't even joke about taking Kenny Pickett away from us. That's all we have.
0: All right. Well, we we need to cut it here before this gets contentious and out of hand. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It was incredibly insightful. Um, I do think that you did just reverse jinx pit, so I'm very worried about the outcome on Saturday, Uh, but we appreciate all the
3: insight. I was going for the reverse jinx, and I'm more than happy to join you guys anytime. appreciate you having me on.
0: Again, thank you so much about this first play the drive Olison Quadri Olison
2: running over Caleb Farley Olison with a house call you've got to be kidding does a heck of a job and I mentioned earlier Farley was a hundred meter champion in the state of
1: North Carolina in high school and he didn't bring enough rocks in his pocket to that party not to handle big Quadri Olison Well, if you stuck around this long, you've got to hear our Christmas wish list for this Pitt football season. You got to hear us talk to our buddy Mike from Blacksburg. And now you get to hear our predictions, what we've all been waiting for. Yeah, Joe, it's less our
0: predictions and more us telling you what's going to happen as the Pitt Panthers roll into Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, It's a game we've been anticipating for a while. Uh, Pat Narduzzi coming off of a bye week. What do we
2: see happening here. In previous years, this game has been a blowout, one way or the other. One team is going home completely devastated. They got the brakes blown off of them.
1: More of the same this year? This series hasn't treated road teams uh, very friendly. That's my
2: hesitation. That's why I say the road team wins for the first time in a while, but it'll be a close one. I'm going to say Pitt wins 38 to 30. So you're, you're predicting a tight one? Yeah. As much as I'd love to say we're going to go down to Blacksburg and blow them out, because I do think we're a better team. That road environment is tough. We saw with Tennessee, it took us a while to get going. Hopefully we don't have to deal with that. We played well right off the jump against Georgia Tech. but You mean you don't want any blocked
1: punts the first drive? If we can avoid that. I'd prefer not. Picky, picky. Same Beamer ball, Virginia Tech. I... I feel pretty good about how the offense is playing right now. Um, You know, Virginia Tech probably one of the tougher defenses we've had to face thus far. Um, They will be missing Hollyful for the first half. Not sure how much that will play into it, but I still think Pitt's going to be able to move the ball, put up some points. I'm going to say 37-23. I just don't think Virginia Tech's offense will be able to keep up, especially with a hampered Burmeister if he does trot out there. Um, You know. I hate to predict a two-score win. Um, Vegas usually knows better than we do, but they also only had Pitt minus three against against Georgia Tech a couple we weeks ago. We beat the brakes off of the Yellow Jackets yeah. in Atlanta. so That and, one was
2: pretty good for the first minute and a
1: half. <laughs> and Georgia Tech might be worse than people thought. They barely squeaked out a win against Duke this past week.
0: Yeah, Dylan, I actually... Uh, the number I had in my head is eerily close to yours um but it's what i feel in my gut so i'm not going to shy away just to be different i say 38 24 we we give up that one extra point but then conversely uh, as an offensive unit we produce uh one more than you said um i think this is really pitch chance to show us that this is a different team than every other year by going into blacksburg uh breaking a, a long chain of misery in Lane Stadium. Uh, and I, I, I think we have too much firepower for them on offense, and I don't think that offensively Virginia Tech has been good enough to really hit us where we know that we have pain points. I'm not afraid of Braxton Burmeister. I am typically afraid of athletic quarterbacks that can run on Pitt, um, but he is not Hendon Hooker he is, you know, not D'Eric King, he worries me a little bit less than them. So I think we can beat him by two scores. Um, I do think it's still going to be a little bit ugly at points. They they aren't going to make this easy for us.
2: Yeah, I think deep down in my gut, Pitt would score more than 41 against Virginia Tech, and deep down in my gut I don't think Virginia Tech would put up 30 points against Pitts because I don't think their offense is that dynamic. But, I respect the power of Enter Sandman, and that is what swings me to the score that I landed on. I experienced it it firsthand, and it was something. It is an exceptionally tough
0: crowd. Um, But also, if you zoom out on it from a macro level, um, this just kind of feels like a pit letdown loss, so I don't know. All the X's and O's lean in our favor, but have we considered uh,
2: Stupid Luck? What I did consider was while I was watching the game on Saturday whenever they played Notre Dame, Jack Cohn kind of marched Notre Dame down the field, and I thought, man, if Jack Cohn is doing this, imagine what Pickett's going to do. We're going to score like 55. But I walked back a little bit. I was drunk and had been watching football and was deprived of pit football for a long time, so. You're a little delirious.
1: That's how it happens, yes. I'm going to be in a nervous wreck come 3.30 on Saturday. I am right now. I'll be rooting my heart out in Venice, Florida. Hopefully, find a find a bar. Maybe I'm gonna throw on my picket jersey and just try to try to find another pit fan to root with me. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Thank you for tuning in to the Loyal Sons Podcast. Remember, subscribe to us here wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at Capable Faithful. That's at cable Faithful on Twitter. We'll see you this weekend in Blacksburg. As the Pittsburgh Panthers take on the Virginia Tech Hokies at Lane Stadium, please, please just win. As always, hail Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh.